cheers. <laughs> we have uh, come to the end of the Edify series, so we'll wrap that up today. This is Halloween, and that is uh, for us a, a celebration with costumes and candy and pumpkins and lots of other activities going on. It was a time of uh, remembering people, the people of God. It's all hallowed Eve. The, the whole idea of all saints. So All Saints Day is coming up tomorrow. So we have all the saints are remembered and one to have a day set aside for everyone. And so that's the day. We're coming up on that. And then it sort of shifted and took on some other things that you're familiar with. Well, we're going to take a look at all of that. I'm putting all of these things together with our series where we have gone through what God is doing in the cosmos, what is happening in the heavenlies, how that impacts us here in this world, and uh, we're going to look at a few biblical passages that tie that together, remembering that, that um, all those saints, all those people of God matter, and we'll get to that at the end. So, cheers. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a kind of, of uh, spooky presentation in a sense because we're going to look at ghosts and witches. So we have an account in 1 Samuel 28 where there is a battle. Uh, battle's about to happen. This is in Israel back in the day. And the king, King Saul, is concerned about how this is going to, going to go. He's relied on the prophet Samuel for his reign during, during the time that he's... Samuel's the one who found him and crowned him king. And so he's, he's been relying on Samuel and Samuel's input throughout his life. Samuel has passed away at this point, And he desperately wants to hear from Samuel before he goes into this battle. So here's the king uh, who has made it clear that no witches are allowed, no mediums. We don't want any spiritualists loose in the land of Israel. And he has had a law made that said, get rid of them. So they're, they're supposed to be gone. Then this happens. Uh, he's worried and he wants to hear from Samuel. So obviously he has to go find a medium to help him get Samuel to come back from the dead so he and ask him how it's going to go for the battle. So we, this raises all sorts of questions. So are there, are there ghosts? Are there witches? Are there spirits that roam around? And can you actually talk to them? And if we're going to have All Saints Day tomorrow, do they come back and visit us? Well, that makes this evening a whole lot more fun. <laughs> all Hallowed Eve, that could get spooky. All of those kind of all of those kind of things are coming up, and and the typical if if you're a, a parent in this modern age is to raise children and and they're all concerned about ghosts and things and bump in the night, and the answer to them is always there are no such things as ghosts. Well, why is it then that over the centuries that people have been on this planet, they've run into them? So you know. 
children are thinking, thanks for that. I have to go back in my room. And you're telling me there's nothing there and there's something there. And thanks for lying to me and not helping. Just telling me that it's not there when there's something. It's like, that's not helpful. So are there ghosts and witches? And yes, there are. It just may not be the way we have portrayed them because they fit into the culture and the mythology of various cultures in a number of different ways. But we are dealing with things that are designed, that, that are bigger than us. God has brought the heavenly to earth. He has made human beings who have a physical body, but the physical body is not them. It's the spirit within them. You take away the spirit and you got a lump. So where's the real person? Where's the real mind? Where's the real heart? Where do all those things actually function? Now, where are all the memories that we have for a lifetime? Well, if you have brain problems, you find out they're not stored there very well. So where are they? They're in the mind. The mind is not a material object. It is the thing that actually makes us function. So the mind is still at work, the real person still alive, and has shape and memories and personality, and all those things are continuing because we're only in a physical body so we can interface with the physical world that we live in, and it's temporary. The other is permanent, this is temporary. So are there spirits out there, human being, living spirits? Absolutely. Are there ghosts in the way that our mythology would say? Not so fast. That's different. There are things that mock or mimic human beings because there's an, another class of spirit. And we've talked about that now for weeks. So this other class of spirits comes into uh, periodically an interaction with people and... They have spent their time since the beginning when the humans were made, this world was here, they've been watching. And they are, and often in the literature, all ancient literature, are, are called watchers. So that should help. Isn't that one? Oh, that, okay, so they're watching. You've got them uh, involved in life. So they, that's the reason when a medium or if, if they're legit, there's plenty of fake ones. I'm not even going to address that. that. That happens in everything. But not talking about those. Not the knockoffs, not the fake ones, but the real ones. And when the real ones connect, they're not necessarily connecting with Uncle Joe. They're connecting with a being who watched Uncle Joe and they gathered information they can even make themselves look like Uncle Joe. And when it comes time to you know, ask Uncle Joe, so where did you hide that box of money? They can get an answer because Uncle Joe was watched. They don't have answers to a whole lot more. They can't and often don't enter into other things. You can watch these some of these mediums in contact with with the, you can watch them on TV sometimes, and they will do some remarkable things and pull out information from people that just, it'll just rattle your cage, and, you, and it does them, and they're going, how did you even know that? How could you know that my favorite color was purple, and that he gave it to me, gave me this thing in, you know, in October, and, and 
they can name all of that stuff. And there's no way they're doing a cold reading and they pick up some of the details. But there's somebody who's been watching and somebody feeding them information. And so, yeah, those things are out there. But they're the demons. They're the demonic side. They're the spirits of the evil one, the unclean spirits. And they've been around. Jesus dealt with them back when. And they're still still here even when the apostles or disciples are with jesus and they see him walking on the water coming across and they're all freaked out because he's it, the fact that he's walking on water didn't bother they said he's a ghost then they realize it's him then the water thing is an issue but at first you start with he's a ghost that gets recorded in the gospels nowhere does jesus say Oh, come on, boys, there's no such thing as ghost. Because he knew better. So, maybe we need to know better. There's a real thing. There are lots of fake things. We make fun of it on Halloween. But if you run into the real, one of the real ones who's pretending, uh, that'll make the hair stand up on your neck. So, Let's do this. The medium and Endor. This is 1 Samuel chapter 28. Saul, the king, disguises himself so he can sneak in there. He takes off the royal robes. He's got to go find out how the battle's going to go. He goes to her. He finds her. And, of course, she's not supposed to be there. And Saul's not supposed to. I mean, he's the one who came up with the law. And he's violating his own law to go find out. So he goes and he says, will you call up his spirit for me? And she goes, you want to get me killed? You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord. Wow. And promised, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. So the woman says, okay, so whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed now, this is a medium. She works with ghosts and dead people. You know, I see dead people. She's got this whole thing going, but now she sees him and screams. So why would she do that? Because now she's got a real one. This is a real one. She, she's used to the demonic version, but now this, this is a real deal. You deceive me. You're Saul. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything because I'm here violating my own law. What do you see? He asked her. I see a God coming out of the, up out of the earth, she said. And when it uses that translation, I see a God coming out. It's, the word is Elohim. Remember, we, we've covered, covered that. So this is one of those instances where the word Elohim is dealing with a disembodied spirit. So this is a spirit of a of Samuel, the actual spirit of Samuel, God's released him back to the earth to come up. And this, and, and this woman realizes this, this disembodied person is way different than the spirits, the ghosts that I've been dealing with. This one is, uh, I, he's, he's a disembodied human being. This is, a, this is a Elohim coming. So that's why she's a little nervous. So this, this one is, is unique. God can release whoever he wants to. It's just that he doesn't normally do this. Uh, don't be afraid. I see the God coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He's an old man wrapped in a robe. 
Saul realized it was Samuel, and he fell to the ground before him. And Samuel, why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Now, that, just hold on to that. You may want to put that one, you know, write that one out, put it on your refrigerator. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Samuel asked Saul. So this is the Samuel who's dead. He's, he's with the Lord, and, and, and he's enjoying Abraham and all, all the other people who walk with the Lord and, and paradise. So here's the response. Go, boy, I just want him back. I just, I just want him back. In Samuel's words, why did you call me back? Because things are going really well. And you want me back here where things are not. And uh, so in case you ever get confused, you can, you can put that verse up and go, ah, they don't really want to come back. I thought surely they would. Because wouldn't they want to go see little Sally play soccer? No, they don't want to see little Sally play soccer. Why did you call me back? And you disturbed me. Anyway, insult. Because I'm in deep trouble. The Philistines are at war with me, and God has left me and won't reply to the prophets, either by prophets or dreams. So I have called for you to tell me what to do. And Samuel replied, Why ask me, since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done just as he said he would. He has torn the kingdom from you, given it to your rival David. The Lord has done this to you today because you refused to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be here with me. Here's good news. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Saul fell full length on the ground, paralyzed with fright from all of these things. And we have an encounter with an actual person who's left this earth, joined the Lord, and the Lord's allowed him to come back to give a message. So, you know, the Lord can do that. Can people run around and do this on their own? Is there, well, I'm just stuck, in, I'm just stuck here because I have unfinished business. No, when you die, your business is, you know the word, finished <laughs> you are done and you go one way or the other now that doesn't mean that there's not a delay like you get an escort and you may get to visit you may get to stop by uh, some place and that those there's accounts of of some of that on the on the way to um your permanent home but there's none of this well you know i got unfinished business i need to go back and tell them where the money's buried or all of those things are just, that's not part of it. This is, you die, you go to the presence of the Lord, or you go away from the presence of the Lord, but you're not here. So that's, that's the deal. Do, do, the, do the ghosts actually, uh, the other ones, the, the, the ones who are mimicking human beings, do they, do they exist yeah, those, those places where geographically they can be in a location, they can be in a house, they can be along a stretch of highway, a bridge. They may be in locations where horrible things have happened. And they will manifest periodically, and people see them, they see them passing by, or they feel them rub against the back of their heads, or some weird stuff. Sometimes they move things around. That, that can happen. The unit I was with in, in Germany the, at the uh, 72 Olympics, they 
they were originally down at Dachau. Next to Dachau was a concentration camp near Munich in Germany. And these guys backed up to it. They took over the, all of the U.S. forces took over former Nazi military establishments. This is one. They're sitting there next to the concentration camp on the fence and the military barracks on the other side. And these guys had to move, when the Olympics came, they had to move the entire unit up. And so it all wound up near Nuremberg. That's when I joined them up there. But there were guys who had been there. So they go on guard duty. They're on guard duty at night next to Dachau. And it was just so peaceful and quiet. And the stars out at night. And then they said they would see the people. They would see the people moving. And they're in prison guard. Concentration they did not want to be on guard duty. Many of them hid behind buildings. <laughs> so I'm not sure that side was guarded all that well. But if you have those on the other side, I don't know that you need to. So they, they saw something, but a horrendous thing had happened there. There was an energy release of spirits, not of the dead people or the prisoners who were there, were, were reenacting or carrying out some things. And, and, and some of this can happen in a sequence and on a certain date that, that these re-manifestations will happen. And, they, and these spirits are out there. They're just, but they're, they're deceptive. They're part of that distraction that the enemy can bring and say, well, if you get, you know, these have got to, this is, they knew things. All these details. They knew all these details. Yeah. Because they've been watching, and they've gathered this stuff. And not only that, they know human nature. They've been watching for thousands of years. We're here for a little, little short time, we, and we don't remember half of it. But they do. So they'll show up. So haunted houses, not all of them that they claim, but there are just that there are real ones along with real places where some, someone may have died in a horrible way or there was abuse just high energy of emotion in an abusive location or like a concentration camp, that obviously get on the map. And so all of, all of those things will happen. And even we're, we're given an insight in, into this. Scripture tells us what will bring the devil. Now, the devil can't be everywhere at the same time. So he's not omnipresent. God is omnipresent, not the devil. He's a created being. He can only be in one place at one time, but he has minions. So here's, here's some minions that can spread out. So often in the scripture when it uses devil, it's an umbrella term to rec telling us it's, it's the evil forces, the dark forces at work doing something. So in Ephesians 4, we're told, you know, don't let anger take over. Don't let anger control you. Don't let anger into these relationships because if you do, you will open the door to the devil. Huh. Highly emotionally charged relationships, husband and wife, family, parents and children, wherever these things may be and it breaks loose and, and then evil spirits are like, wow, you know, it's like you're sending up the bat signal and here they come, they come running, they're just like, this is where I need to park. So not only do you have an outburst of anger or lack of self-control and people's emotions or all their their whole being is being ripped apart. Now you got an evil spirit who joins. You know, that's why we get the warnings in Scripture about don't do this because you'll draw them. Don't do this, you'll draw them. 
Because Scripture is going, you know, they're not really real. These things aren't real. You know, just go back to your room. No, they're real. And that sets up a pattern of these. Don't draw them. Deal with the anger. Get, you know, practice love. Practice patience. Practice speaking to each other in a proper way, which is Ephesians 4. That's what it talks about. So we've got the, so we've got the uh, witch at Endor, a medium who calls in uh, Samuel, shocked to find a real one. So she calls him an Elohim rather than the spirits that she normally has, which is what the people you hear about that go, well, I'm channeling so-and-so, or, you know, that's because they're in tune with one of the, the spirits from the other side. There's an afterlife. This is from Luke chapter 16. Jesus tells this story, uh, and he's the one who knows, since he's been uh, in eternity, and then he comes to earth, and then he's, as he's giving us information in the Gospels, the things he's providing for us in the Gospels are details about what we need to know that's out there. Uh, he says, well, this is a, the kingdom of God is like, and then he uses an earthly example, but it's telling us about a spiritual reality that's bringing heaven to earth. And in this case, he's telling us about what is on the other side. And it's cool because this one is in the Gospel of Luke, Luke is a trained physician, a Greek-trained physician. So he's the medical guy, science guy. And then he's writing down what Jesus says about this. And it's only in this gospel. So I, I just find that fascinating because he would be interested in, okay, so when you die, then, you know, what's on the other side? Because I had to deal with those people. So Luke 16 Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. And Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table. And the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died, was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. I give you a little contrast there. And he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Then send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. So now here he is being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. So we have a chasm. We have barriers. There's a place of the dead, which the place of the dead is usually referenced as a negative that's the place where the devil and his angels and that group will be. And so when they're referencing that kind of, of place, that's where this, uh, the rich man who has you know, turned his back on God, turned his back on Lazarus, he's, that's where he winds up. And Lazarus is now in the presence of Abraham at the heavenly banquet. But we get, we get a, a clue as to, you know, they can see each other. They can communicate, 
They have fingers and toes because he says dip your finger. He has eyes to see, ears to hear. All of that exists because that's who we are. We're just without a physical body because now we're going to live in another dimension. This is the other dimension. Jesus has given us a clue. And he said, you don't cross over. You've got to remember this. So remember Luke 16. You don't cross over. Now God can, yeah, we already covered that, 1 Samuel 28. God can send someone when he chooses. But we don't cross over. And we don't have, well, i got unfinished business. So here, this is also very helpful to know. The rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. Send who? Send Lazarus, the dead guy. Send him to my brothers. You've got to help these guys out. And, and he says, I, I have five brothers. I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. He can't go back. Lazarus can't make that jump and go back and warn. That's when you're done, you're done. When you finish this life, it's finished. Don't cross over. God can cross, can do anything he wants to, but that, those, are the, those are the deals. We don't go from here to there. There's great chasm. There's boundaries. So I have five brothers. What does this guy know now that he's in the place of, de of the dead and in a place of torment? He knows one thing. I don't want my family coming here. I don't want my brothers coming here. That's one thing at, often at funerals that, that I share with people is that this person lying here has a message for you. You need to know that there is an answer in Jesus, that there is a place, a paradise, and there's a place of torment. And the warning that that person, if he could come back or she could come back, would be, I don't want you to come here. This is real. Out of all the things you've believed, all the nonsense you've bought into in your life, listen to this. This is real. And he wants this dead guy to go back and tell his brothers so that they don't wind up in this place of torment. Abraham said... Moses and the prophets have warned them. We've got the scriptures. That's what he's telling them. This is Jesus passing on this information. Remember, he's from out there. He's come here. Now he's giving us information about what it's like beyond this body, out of, this, in, out of our worldly existence. Moses and the prophets have warned them. That means it's already written, and they can read what he wrote or they wrote. And they have information, they can have all the information they need to avoid this kind of uh, finish. They can actually connect with God and have a life in paradise. But often they turn it down. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Abraham said, they won't listen to Moses and the prophets they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And remember who's speaking. The only one who has risen from the dead. And when he spoke, some people said, yep. A lot of people said, no. And they still are. And he's still getting that message out. It's written down. It's available in the book. Getting that message out. Somebody comes back from the dead. We've got a record of that. And they still say, no. But that, that gives us a clue. There's these... these 
these spirits, the spirit body that we will have, that we have now, we just don't recognize it. And it's, it's the thing that gives our, animates our physical bodies, keeps everything working, is, um, is with us. So these the ghosts, the witches, the other beings that are around us, heavenly beings, the ones who are from, uh, the evil beings who have lined up with uh, Satan and that, that group, it's a, just a whole thing. So there's heavenly interactions, another story, Genesis 21, 8 through 21. Now this is, Abraham has had a son, Ishmael, with Hagar, the handmaiden of Sarah, his wife. And that's just kind of how things work and worked then, and they're still, in some cultures, a thing. So you have a substitute that kind of enters in, and then you have a child, and that can be the heir and all that. So he, he thought that was going to be the way to do it, or Sarah really thought this was going to be the way to do it. And then she has Isaac later, so now she has her own son, and it becomes a conflict, and she has... Hagar and Ishmael sent away. In the course of being sent away, this is Genesis uh, 21, 8 through 21, she is out there dying in the desert. And she puts Ishmael in the shade and says, this is it, we're dead, we can't find any water, we're stuck out here. And the Lord sees them and comes and tells her her son is he's not abandoning them or her son, then that he will be the father of a, na- of a great nation. There will be a lot of people. That's, he's the father of the Arab people. So that, that whole Arab thing comes from this account, this, this kid. And God comes along and, and protects. And God, verse 17, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt because she was from Egypt as well. So the, the angel, God is seeing, they're stuck in the desert, but God sees, he sees the boy, sees the need, and he has an angel involved. So there's heavenly messengers, heavenly involvement in a physical world, and we've got the interplay of all of that. So there's an interaction that's have, happening, heavenly interactions. And discerning of spirits, just, just as a heads up. When it comes to discerning of spirits, there's, there's some things that really help in, in being able to do this. And uh, just these two words, is, we're going to cover more of that when we get to the spiritual gifts, which we begin next week. But discerning of spirits, just beware always and never. So some people, once they hear about um, the demonic or Satan the devil made me do it or the devil's behind every bad thing that anybody ever does and we come up with a whole it's he's always there or the people who say well there's like oh there's no no ghosts there's no real anything it's and the devil no that's just somebody made up and it's how they explained what they couldn't explain the mysterious things in life through the years and centuries gone by but we're modern and we know better so it's never always never 
And it ain't neither one of those. They are around. They are not always what they seem. And learning the difference is helpful. And identifying uh, the impact of, of negative or, yeah, spirits and recognizing that, yeah, that there may be something creepy in that kid's room. Might be really good to be spiritually aware enough to go in there and pray with them and deal with maybe something that's uh, gotten loose. And uh, I have so many stories on that, but we don't have time for that. So, discerning of spirits. Beware always and never. Don't go that direction. Heavenly assistance from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Angels are only servants. Spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Angel word, angelos, means messenger. And these are the heavenly messengers who are on our team. There's another group are not on our team, but this is a group on our team. They come, they come to, to take care of us, and they'll come alongside at weird times. And you've heard those stories. People break down on the road, and nobody's there, and there's no way to get any help, and suddenly some dude in an old truck pulls up, and it's raining, and he changes the tire, and, or has a tire, or just happened to fit, or something. And then they say, turn to say thank you, and he and the truck are all gone, and and then they realize, oh, he wasn't even wet when he was here in the rain changing the tire. And you go, well, you just had one of those visitations. And there are so many of those, those stories that float around. You go, how, how many of these can we make up in, a, in the history of mankind? Angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. So we have heavenly assistants who want to participate. They do participate. They're around us. They're visiting. They're watching. They engage. They, they want to keep us going. And we can, we can, well, you probably have already experienced them or had them around you. And you may not have noticed them, which would also lean toward the ability to discern spirits when they are active and engaged, whether you see them or or hear them you may experience them in different ways because sometimes it's, it's a fragrance sometimes it's a physical thing that gets can be moved or just the sense of being uplifted and they come in different ways <laughs> heavenly assistance cheers hebrews 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. He's just finished in chapter 11 of Hebrews a list of people from Abraham, Noah, we just start getting the righteous. We get Moses, we, David, we, we pick up these people. Some of them are unnamed, and they've just been faithful to listen to God, to walk with God. And, and it wraps up at the end of the chapter by saying that these, the world is not worthy of them, these people. And then it goes into, and remember the angels, we just talked about angels are servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit it. Uh, salvation Hebrews 1 14 now Hebrews 11 gives a list 
of faithful people who have gone on and are with the Lord. Then he gets to 12, and he says, there is a huge crowd of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? Those faithful people who went on to be with the Lord. Faithful people we know in our family who've gone on to be with the Lord. Faithful people who are maybe acquaintances and friends that we've had through the years who've gone on to be with the Lord. Angels who have been serving and watching and pulling for us all this time. And we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses who want us to run the race, to run with endurance the race that has been set before us. Have you ever seen cheerleaders cheering? Have you ever seen people that are finishing up a race and they have their friends and family standing at the end of the race cheering for them to make it through, just to do the last bit, just to cross that finish line? All of that is coming together right here, surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And they're cheering, all of us, to finish the race that has been set before us. Cheers. That's what he's doing. He's provided all of that, all of the people, all, all back, if you get on... and. Ancestry.com, and you look it up, you go, all those guys. And they're standing there, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-grandfather, cheering, cheering you to finish the race with endurance, the race that is set before you. Reframe. God has a holy family made up of heavenly and earthly members. So we know that the... The angelic and the descriptions of the cherubim and the seraphim are part of this. There are other angelic beings. There are lots of angelic beings. We've talked about before that the, the biologists looking at what we see in the world today that exists is about 1% of all, the, all of the created things that have been here. So you go back and you look at the fossil record and you look at the, all the things that they can find and they haven't even found it all yet because these discoveries keep coming. And we just got a tiny little fraction today. And you look around at the colors of the flowers or the kinds of livestock or the kinds of horses. And you go, you know, these are unique. There's lots of them. And then you think angel. And then you got little baby, Raphael painted baby with wings. And you go, so there's only that one or the one with a sword. But really... Or, or they're, they're female and they're supposed to guard me in, like a warrior. And you go, some of those don't look like warriors. But they often have wings. So wh how is it that we've reduced this thing down to there's like a half dozen ways that, that angels. But when you go through scripture, you go, you know, that one looks like an eagle. That one's like a lion that has a face. That Look at all the eyes it has. These are unique and different. And if we're looking at the created order and we're looking at 1% of all that's been here in the physical world, what do you think the odds are that we can reduce everything that God's done in the spiritual world down to a half dozen angelic looks? Yeah, you better fasten your seatbelt for this one because it's going to get really cool. God has a holy family made up of heavenly and earthly members. God's heavenly and human family in heaven are cheering you on. They are cheering you on. God's plan is for you to run the race that is before you. Not the race set for somebody else. 
not the race set for the generation before, not the generation after, not the ones on the other side of the world, the race that is set for you. And they're cheering you to do that. Those are your witnesses. We live in a wild and wonderful world, heavenly and earthly, intersecting. And we are being cheered to do it well. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the series. Thank you for time to look into the scriptures and discover these things that you're doing and, and that the world is much bigger than we thought. Uh, guide us in this week with all the things, all the ups and downs and challenges that will come and surprises that are waiting around the corner. Help us to run the race that is set before us. In Jesus' name, amen.